0: burned me out more to be honest was being stuck in a corporate job and just falling asleep on my desk or falling asleep on the commute home and feeling tired all the time like I'm not tired like I slept 10 hours last night how could I possibly be tired I'm just bored senseless um, and, and to be honest that's what burned me out more than anything When I think is when you find something you're passionate about then there's no more getting burnt out like you just love doing it The the line that separates work and passion you know it blurs into one and you just get excited about whatever you're working on you get lost in it Face down, pants down, mildly naked, but still having fun. And we're, we're, we're totally fine with that. But Godzilla would get the same treatment.
1: And gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome to yet another fantastic episode of the always fist pumping, always ultra creative, the Entrepreneur now podcast. Whoever you are, whatever you may be creating, wherever you may be creating, I hope that you are doing it with a gigantic smile on your face. I hope you are doing it with the intention of creating the life that you love, because you know. If you take one step every day towards that goal, you will undoubtedly figure out how to get there. And it's amazing to see all the people that listen to this show that come to me and tell me about their progress, how this show has helped change them. Nothing is more gratifying than being able to bring people on with so much value and share it with the rest of the world so that you can do what we're all trying to do to create this life that we absolutely do love. And I'm going through the transition myself, which was the whole reason I started this show in the first place, and now I've had over 100 different creative entrepreneurs on my show, over 85 episodes released so far, and this is such an amazing, amazing feeling, and, I, and I'm really happy that all of you have been able to be a part of that with me. I've got an amazing guest on today, David Nyhill. And he is from Ireland, and it's an amazing conversation, and he, he's he got such a great sense of humor. He's the author of the best-selling book, Do You Talk Funny?, and the founder of Funny Biz, and it's kind of a community and conference series helping content creators, sort of like me and others alike, tap into the power of storytelling, right, and, and comedy and and improv to create better content. To, to gain more value from your audience, to get more feedback, to, to get more engagement. And I really, really like what he's doing. I really do. And he's got a, an extensive background working in so many different areas, and he's been a volunteer in so many different experiences and causes that I thought it was going to be amazing to bring him on and and let him share his story and, and how he's been able to turn all of this into something fantastic for people just like you and me so all the show notes artsynow.com forward slash 85 and here we go come on everybody let me hear that beat come on come on everybody let me hear that stickity stickity riggity diggity beat yeah oh yeah Akia yeah, man well here we go now who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Well, I wanna get funky. Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do, I do. then get on with your bad selves, yeah. He boogies down when he have you laughing so hard you'll be clenching your butt cheeks for weeks from startups to business development to his best-selling book do you talk funny he's the founder of funny biz and he's teaching content kingpins how to use the power of storytelling comedy and improv to create better content and get a little jiggy with it big willy style from Ireland to San Francisco and all over the interwebs, everywhere in between, a skidamarinkity dinkity dink, a skidamarinkity doo David, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man?
0: <laughs> I think we need you to be writing introductions for everything. I need you always. That was fantastic. I'm smiling ear <laughs> to ear here listening to it.
1: Uh, it's so much fun, man. It's been a crazy day, and I'm pumped that you're on. Uh, we had a nice pre-chat. you you seem like an awesome, awesome dude to have on. I think everybody's going to learn a lot from you. And I really appreciate you coming on the show at that. Uh, and and I, I'm telling you, man, everybody in America loves the Irish accents.
0: Yeah, thanks very much. It, it's occasionally popular with your ladies, I am told. So I'm, I'm excited to <laughs> test that one.
1: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, man, just take <laughs> them all. Take them all.
0: <laughs> no Although no. I'd
1: much rather have a girl with a British accent, too, or, or anything in, in Europe. So,
0: well, yeah, we, we've we've, we've, been trying to avoid the British people for a while, but they come over and help themselves to stuff anyway, historically. But we're, we're bonding much better these days.
1: I'm not picky when it comes to girls, man, but don't tell my girlfriend that. Yep. If you're listening, I'll get you some flowers. You never know.
0: You're going to need to.
1: But yeah, David is the author of the best selling book, Do You Talk Funny? He is the founder of Funny Biz and really is out there to help people. Uh, tap into the creative side and use the power of storytelling and comedy and improv to create better content. And you, you've been all over the place, man. And, and you told me in the pre-chat, you've been over to 50 countries. You, you've written some books, obviously. you have getting into passive income. And, and you mentioned to me that this was all stuff that you really didn't know how to do. You were a little bit inconfident. And now you've gotten to the point where you've built this amazing life up of, of you know just packed with creativity you've been featured and speaking in in lifehacker huffington post forbes fast company among others uh, you're doing some powerful things you're changing the world man and and i'm and i'm pumped to have you on do you want to start first by telling us if you had to battle godzilla how do you think you would use your creativity or talents to defeat that big crazy bastard david
0: well i've never been asked such a fine question but i'm pretty sure i Default to my stereotypical advantages, just bring him to an Irish bar, feed him way too much Guinness and just wait till he falls over asleep drunkenly mumbling which is pretty much what happens most people after overconsumption of Guinness but yeah you know, the best they could do down in the face Irish down streets. pants down mildly naked but still having fun and <laughs> we're, we're, we're totally fine with that but Godzilla would get the same treatment
1: It's still on my bucket list to come out there and and, and have the real Guinness in the real area and get face down pants down with it but I had a buddy who, who did it and I I remember him telling me just, like, how fast you all can consume it and how he just was, like, four down in, like, 20 minutes and just felt like he was going to projectile everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: I don't want to fuel stereotypical slurs, but that has happened occasionally, and we do have a little bit of a strength for that sometimes. Um, But, yeah, there's one sneaky advantage here in the States. But, yeah, I feel like I should be doing something more productive after that fine uh, introduction. But, yeah, there's been a lot of fun things and a lot of learning along the way over a lot of countries, so. I'm not sure what part of that would be most interesting to your listeners, but yeah, it's been quite a journey, and and Funny Biz, creating that has been a lot of fun, and we've got to work with some fantastically talented and incredibly creative individuals on that, and it kind of comes about on the thought that business is all too often too boring for a lot of people with traditional jobs, and a lot of the time, creative elements are overlooked, and we really felt on creating content, any form of content, where written form, or whether it's just as simple as a press release or daily emails or any form of story that, that people were getting away for those core ingredients of story and, and just taking a story that we're all wired to appreciate and making it more funny or using some in to- improv techniques along the way to make it more creative helps it ultimately it to your chances of, of going viral or people sharing it and actually enjoying your content. And um, so that was kind of the core basis of Funny Biz and, and certainly we've been having a lot of fun with it.
1: Yeah, you, you've been, I mean, involved in so many different things. It's crazy when I look at Everything that you've done, from from funny biz to your volunteer experiences and causes, and in the comedy background in some spots. Back back to funny biz. Can you you want to start by telling us kind of how that evolved? I know I don't know. Did you ever have a traditional job? I'm aware that you you went and, and graduated and ended up in San Francisco where you, you've you've done some stuff with startups and, and built your way up rapidly. What do you think? Uh, took you from where you were before that to where you are now I and mean, what was kind of the process could you fill us in a little bit yeah
0: sure I mean I guess the process was having traditional jobs so I, I did have your traditional board of pants off your jobs with um big financial company initially uh, working in something that sounded exciting in their mergers and acquisitions division and that was in Bogota Colombia uh, and it wasn't exciting you know it sounded like it was going to be exciting the process of being in Colombia was citing all the new learning that went with it but the job itself wasn't and that kind of repeated as I changed to different jobs, often in different countries. I had a lot of traditional, as you would call them, jobs where it'd be as a marketing executive or in business development. I worked for the Irish government. And then I had a little bit of a nutty job as a troubleshooter for the world's largest private education company, um, kind of as a firefighter nearly working across different countries and different divisions within that. So I had a lot of different jobs, but it, along the way I'd travel a lot. And I kept meeting people who had passive income or who had written books And I think it's a desire that a lot of people hold to write a book, but it's like, how do you get the process going? How do you tap into that creative side? I was dyslexic, so it's like, oh man, this book is not going to make any sense. How do I even go about starting to write something uh, with the odds stacked against me on doing it? And how do I get into this passive income a little bit side? So I I just kind of fell into it, actually. Um, I had a friend of mine who suffered a spinal cord injury. When I volunteered to create a comedy show to raise funds and awareness for him, and my friends insisted I host a show, uh, and I was deadly afraid of public speaking. Irish people love speaking, but we don't, for the most part, like speaking on a stage, any form of public speaking. Uh, we've, we're just traditionally, it's something that scares us a lot, and I think a lot of people have that problem in the world. Certainly not just Irish people. Um, so with that, I set out to find out everything I could about public speaking and and stand-up comedy as a gateway for doing that. Uh, And it was kind of 80-20 principle approach to figuring out stand-up comedy. And I did it for a full year and I documented everything I learned along the way and turned that into a course, uh, which was basically me audio recording my voice uh, onto a set of slides with some videos to go with it and then got feedback on that process. And that ultimately became the content that became the book, uh, which is Do You Talk Funny? What a great
1: idea to just to to record all that though. I mean, I try to write down any idea that pops in my head, no matter if it's something that I think I'm gonna use or not. And I've got like, you know, Evernote after Evernote after list after note card and post-it note everywhere. And then the same with audio recordings. And so anybody out there listening, I mean, take take David for example. He literally you said that you were basically recording everything that you learned. And then you, at the end of all this, you had a huge amount of content that you were able to go back and create that course out of.
0: Yeah. So it was essentially, I recorded it as a course. So I forced myself to try and put out the information sequentially in a, in a PowerPoint presentation. It it was actually a Prezi presentation. So the information flowed and it made sense. And then I started trying to sell it. So when it even when it wasn't in its most finished form, I started trying to get active users through Udemy, which was an online learning platform that was growing very fast. Uh, And that one big advantage for me is I wasn't into self-marketing in any way, and I didn't know how to do it, didn't know where to start, didn't want to tell my friends who had traditional jobs what wacky stuff I was about to undertake. Uh, So Udemy gave me a nice way. They did all the promotion on my behalf. So I never even told anybody I put that course together. And I, I listed it. I got some original users by posting I did a free access code for it on Reddit at the time. So that gave me the initial users to get feedback on, and then I opened it up as a paid product. And then over time, I got feedback from the more engaged students that I had, and that ultimately led to the final course, which I had dictated as the book. Because I I was dyslexic, so any time I'd sit down to write, I'd just get lost in my own thoughts, so that allowed me to record my voice. And trust me, I tried all those Dragon Dictate, to different services for dictating a book and it was just me like screaming in an Irish accent at a computer (laughs) uh, as I didn't understand anything I was saying. Uh, So I found it a much easier way. It just meant when it came form time to edit that book content or get my thoughts together, I already had them in a sequential flow that made sense to users and students and now I just needed to edit that a bit and and make it into a book. So it, it definitely gave me a lot of structure instead of starting with a blank canvas. Yeah.
1: So so why do you think bringing storytelling and, and like real experiences into what you're doing is, is so important? I mean, if somebody was out there and I know you, you've you created this business to help people do this and to use the power of storytelling, why do you think that that is just absolutely crucial?
0: Well, I think it's, it's like a lot, like that's how your brain is wired, essentially. Like that's our psychology, that's our DNA, that's our makeup. We're We're wired, hardwired to remember story. If you give me a number of facts in any way, whether it's a business pitch or even in an interview, you're not as memorable as if you present those facts and bundle them to me as a story. We love story and we also love humor. So to us, it made a lot of sense to put those two items together and take content that wasn't traditionally delivered in the most exciting manner and try and give people access to experts in the form of a conference or in the form of online access to experts to help them shape that into a funny, memorable story. And um, so I think if you don't do that when you produce content, you're just making it harder for yourself because people take in, absorb and remember better and identify more with story. And that's why it's such a more powerful medium.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's absolutely true. I know it is for me, and I'm sure that it it falls in line with everybody. Such an easier way, it's almost like working hands on with something, you know. You remember it, it, it gets built into your system. So well when you when you built that course, how did you go about uh Taking it from from this original course to where you are now as far as having the business you know co-founding the business uh, and, and writing writing your book, do you talk funny? What was that process like?
0: Yeah, so it was it was cool. It was it was quite a process and I guess it all happened over the last year but uh, along the way when I was doing stand-up comedy to cre- cure my own fears and of public speaking and get over it and learn as much as I could from that arena, I met a lot of businesses that were sending their staff out actually, as a way of public speaking to these open mic comedy nights, which I thought was pretty interesting. And a lot of them tended to be marketing content creators or copywriters within these larger companies. And they were just using this as a creative outlet, both to express their own thoughts, um, but also to get some public speaking practice. And we just noticed that there was a big gap um, between companies being funny and the, the they just weren't tapping into the creative talent out there that was available to them. Plus, we met a lot of comedians and a lot of actors or improv actors that were financially struggling to pursue their passions, um, but would take the money if they were able to get it and would take the work and would be interested in helping companies add a little bit of humor to their projects on a per-project basis. So Funny Biz writer that we have the platform at the moment grew out of the desire to try and meet those needs, to help creative people keep being creative and to help business become a bit more entertaining for all the rest of us who who don't manage to sneak out of working for a corporate environment or are subject to all this content that's being produced that, for the most part, is not very exciting. Uh, so it was, it was quite a process. And the book became a, a big, big part of that. And the feedback I got from early students became a big part of that. And they all kind of, for me, bundled in together with the same core mission, which was to essentially abolish boring content. So the underlying thought where the book was, well, a lot of business presenters would like to be funnier. They just don't know how, or they put all their time into really developing good quality information, and they ignore where they could add the time that they probably need to take to make it a little bit more entertaining. Uh, So we actually have a host of comedy writers that specialize in just that. So if you're too busy to to punch up your own presentation or make it more entertaining, you send us the video of it, and we have a team of comedy writers that will add some jokes for you.
1: Oh, that's brilliant.
0: Yeah, so it's been pretty fun, and we feel like we're doing an overall good thing, you know, because we've all been in those conferences where you're like, oh, man, put me out of my misery. Like, what is this guy talking about? And, <laughs> u- and ultimately, you want to see that guy do well. Like, you want to tell him, like, listen, man, you know, that's kind of boring. You need to change a few things, but it's such a – you can't really do it. So uh, by setting up a service, we thought we might be able to help along the way.
1: Yeah, the, 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 and I don't think I've ever come across anybody who has said anything like that as far as the service goes. I don't think I've seen that out there. So I think it's a brilliant uh, niche to kind of push into there. So when you, when you get these students in though, and, and you're trying to teach them how they can improve, what do you think some of the, the main points that you try to make to them are? What, what are some of the most useful things that you teach?
0: Yeah, I'd say there's a lot of comedy writing techniques that are very effective, like things that are very well known, like using the rule of tree and delivering things. Irish people can pronounce tree, by the way, which you probably just realized when I said that word there. Um, But, you know, using things that are very well known to comedy writers and crafting memorable content, but also combining those techniques with stories. So I think one of the most useful things that we teach people is to picture it as a funnel, And you want to start at the top of the funnel by making a list of your own stories. So funny stuff, like really think back, what funny stuff has happened to me in my own life? What do I like to talk about? What am I comfortable already talking about that? And then we encourage people to take stories that they're already comfortable with and link them to their business topics, which is a lot easier to do than it it sounds. Originally, you're like, oh, it's not related. It was a story I had about taking a bus and and that's not, how's that related to my IT product and technology? But on, on a, it's very easy to link those stories if you really want to. All great stories start with knowing the end and knowing what you want to include in the journey. And so if you, we really encourage people to take their own funny story, but just deliver it in a shorter, more effective form. So you really want to boil it down to, as a comedian would write it, which is set up the shortest amount of information possible and get to the punchline, which is the funny bit of your story. And I think that's what students and content creators find most useful. It just forces them to, to use Shakespeare's wisdom in brevity is levity, like get to the point quicker and as effectively and funny as you can.
1: Yeah, I started actually monitoring the way that I had been writing things, and I think that there's always that that you know evil spirit trying to pull you into writing how you think other people want you to write or talk or comedy or anything like that. And I, I, I literally sat down – a couple of weeks ago and was like, you know what? I'm just going to start writing based on my experiences and situations that I'm currently in and stories that I can remember happening. And it comes so much easier when you do that. And the writing is so much better. And I, so you I
0: think relate. it helps you to, uh, yeah, one, people can relate, which is the key thing to storytelling, marketing, and messaging in any form. It's not you in the story. It's how the listeners sees themselves mm-hmm. in the story. And that's your power to create a great story. You want to allow them to picture that happening to them. So another big piece, of adv- that is a big piece of advice that comes from comedy as well is first make your story relatable. So you don't want to, I give an example, it's like say I went to China. You don't want to start the story like, hey, I was in China and this funny stuff happened. You want to start it by making it relatable. So you're like, hey, you know, everybody travels or you there was a time when you were travel, or there was a time when you were in a new place and you can feel a little bit uncomfortable. And now you tell them the story to make it relevant to them. But it's introducing it to allow them to see themselves in the story. That's a key part. But also by doing that, you'll find your own voice quicker. You're not trying to write like somebody else. You're writing about your own experience and exactly what happened to you. And that was one of the big advantages I found by dictating the content of the book first was that was my own voice. That was exactly how I would talk. So one of the the unexpected positives of that was the amount of my friends that email me and they're like, hey, I'm reading your book. It is freaking me out. It sounds exactly like you. Just talk. I can (laughs) hear your voice. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm thinking it's a good thing. Because yeah, it, it flows a, a little thing. more conversationally. So, it, you know, it makes it easier to read because it's clear that the writer wasn't really struggling to be the world's best writer. It was conversational in its delivery and tone, which I think a lot of people can relate to.
1: Yeah, and resonate. Well, as you got this out and obviously you've gotten the bestseller, what was that process like? Can you take us kind of step by step how you went from just having this book that you didn't know would be – Hit at all, or you didn't know that we get out there and help people to to seeing the success. What what kind of steps did you have to put in place to make sure you would get to that point?
0: Yeah, well, it was to be honest, it was an unexpected twist, and it's been bestseller on Amazon Kindle since we launched it. But we did give away a number of free copies to kickstart it. Uh, I had that Reddit group where I would posted free codes to my course before, and I'd had just over four thousand people sign up to my Udemy course. So at that stage, I knew I kind of had a ready-made interested group of people in the topic or they were looking for information in it. But yeah, getting it out there was just a matter of getting some early readers involved and and getting their reviews on Amazon pretty quickly and putting it out to as many networks as I could that I thought would be interested in the messaging. So obviously public speaking groups, uh, startups, you know, they were pitching their message or all of a sudden faced with public speaking New writers traditionally don't tend to, first-time writers, having a lot of public speaking experience, and then you write a book and suddenly you have to go out there. So it was just making sure we got it in front of all the right audiences. Um, Yeah, and it was a a good unexpected twist to see it on there at number one with some pretty famous names either side of it, like Talk Like Ted and Communications, great writers like Guy Kawasaki. I was like, what the hell is my book doing in there? It was like, hey, I'll take it. (laughs) Um, but it has to feel
1: good you know. when you see something like that happens you know the effort that you put into it and obviously I think there's a reason that it does happen because it's it's going to be something that's going to touch other people's lives and change them I'm a firm believer that most things happen for a reason and I don't think that well this happens a lot with pop like music, you get some of the worst music ever out there and it's touching millions of people but in, in these powerful messages I think that everything you did to get there you probably were well deserved
0: Oh, thanks for saying that. I don't know if it was. I mean, there was definitely effort in there. Um, But I think it might resonate with people because a lot of public speaking experts are that themselves. They're experts in public speaking. They come across as very polished. They look slick in the part. Like, I hate public speaking. I still hate public speaking to this day. Like, the last thing I want to do is go around and now talk about public speaking to anyone that will listen to me. Uh, I like podcasts because you never feel like there's a big audience of people standing there staring at you with the same expectation. Um, and yeah, so it's, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy and comfortable doing those and if I sound that way in any way that's why but public speaking I still I mean it's manageable now it's a process I can get through and you'll never identify me as being bad at it if you see me publicly speak for the most part but I just I figured people could relate to that if I put the book out there like I'm not polished I'm no guru on this but this is what I did and this is what I learned along the way and if you want to jazz up your public speaking with lessons from which I think are the best public speakers in the world stand-up comedians because they have the most stage time So if you look at Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours rule to be an expert in something, comedians are one of the only groups that clock up in the realm of public speaking that many hours. Like They're on stage up to four times a night, uh, seven nights a week as they're honing their craft. And they learn a lot along the way that business speakers tend to use, but they're just not aware they're using the same techniques. Well, wow. so yeah, it's been it's been fun. Like in in the book, we went through a number of the leading TED talks, and we allocated them a score of laughs per minute, which is something new comedians or or developed comedians will use to check how many laughs they got. And the laugh rates per minute of some of these TED talks are higher than a lot of comedians and higher than a lot of famous movies. So really? it was very That's an interesting. Yeah. Stat. yeah, yeah, it was cool. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that high. Like Ken Robinson's talk, which is the most viewed in in history, the laugh per minute count on that would rival the movie The Hangover Hmm. uh, if you go through and allocate scores for them. So it was very clear that top speakers were using humor and very effectively. What they weren't doing was realizing that there was a strategic process to crafting that joke and delivering it using comedy writing techniques. And some of them weren't effective uh, because they weren't aware of this correlation so we figured well if we can get the knowledge out there in the book we can at least help them to do that and in doing so their material becomes funnier they get booked more as a speaker and we as the audience don't have to listen to as much boring waffle and uh, it's so really like kind of win-win for everybody hopefully
1: I was just going to ask you, if, if you had somebody out there who was, who was looking to maybe write a book, even maybe specifically in the comedy area, what do you think is one thing that anybody can really do today to improve that desire to follow their passion and to, to get it out there? Because I know everybody struggles with confidence issues. Everybody has that, that moment where they think that they're probably not good enough. It happens to most people for their whole life. They never get over that barrier. So what would you say to somebody who's who's kind of on the fence there?
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds cliche, but you just have to get started. And I, I found by using the right platform, like whether it's your own blog or something, you just need to get some content out there. And if you're worried about self-confidence issues, like do it under a fake name, like originally do it under a pen name, like just test the content somewhere in some medium of what you're thinking of writing whether it's on Reddit or whether it's in the form of a course or whether it's uh, on Medium or a writing platform like that, just put something out there and get some feedback on it. Because until you do that, and the feedback you get, sometimes it's horrible and sometimes it's fantastic. Uh, and that's just the downside of putting your your information out there and your thoughts out there. And I, I would say just once you get over that hurdle, it, it kind of starts to snowball. If there's a demand there for what you're doing, you'll find out very quickly. And if there isn't, you'll quickly move on to something else. Yeah, but yeah, at least, I think Reddit's a
1: great place to test it because people are absolutely very straightforward on that. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, they,
0: <speak. laughs> they they are. And if you find a subreddit that's specific, so let me I used uh, social engineering, uh, which was linked to my topic. And you'll find people on there, if you find the right subreddit, that are very engaged with your topic. So they're, no, I wouldn't say they're overly nice, and a lot of the comments will not be much fun. But if you use the premise that, hey, 30% of people will love what you're doing, 30% of people hate what you're doing. 30% you don't even know what they're up to half the time you don't care about. And then who even knows where that missing 10% is for the most part. But you know, just 30% is a lot. If 30% of people like your stuff, like you really have something solid there and you can work on it and rewrite it. And, but if you get anything positive at all, that's a sign you're moving in the right direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, it's it's, it's pretty hard-wrenching moment when you put a book out there and reviews are starting to come in, and you're like, "Am I going to get slaughtered?" Like you're kind of waiting for the moment to get slaughtered. Um, but I, I was there, there's no mentally prepared for that. You're like, "Someone is going to crap all over my book," and uh, you know, but you have no way to avoid that. So, oh uh, yeah, I mean, so, I've had to put good.
1: stuff out on Reddit before, and you'll get those occasional comments like, "You need to jump off a bridge and kill yourself," and then somebody else is like, "This changed my life," and you're like. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you really want to read that latter one before you do the first one in that sequence there. I mean,
1: I take all the negative and positives and put them on a Trello board. And I like to read through the negatives all the time because it just kind of makes you stronger. It makes you laugh to know that there's actually people out there that, you know, just, man, there's.
0: So yeah, better. And it's, it's, it's going to come. I mean, it's certainly going to come. Not everybody. Like my uncle wrote to me yesterday to tell me he didn't like three of my stories in their book because one talked about vomiting, one was something about using a bad word. But, you know, he's a priest. And does he know the most about this? Probably not. But, you know, it's still hard to read because it's someone in your family and they feel the need that they should give you advice. And I was trying to explain to him like, all right, like uh, I hired a pretty solid editor uh, on this, who has a lot of success with books. I figured he'd be a better judge than you, old priest uncle, but okay. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to come at all angles and you you got to get used to that. But, you know, that's part and parcel of developing your content. In that criticism sometimes comes some very, very uh, good feedback that you will be forced to incorporate. And if you get it from a lot of different angles, you'll know, you know, there's something you could have did better or have done better.
1: Yeah, and you'll yeah. see. So you'll see where you'll the see. demand is,
0: too. Yeah, you will quickly, and you'll see who's interested in your stuff. I was lucky when I put the course out there. One of the first guys that wrote to me was from Shark Tank, which I thought was oh, wow. pretty crazy. I thought it was a joke email because it came from like a really weird AOL, like nineteen <laughs> early nineteen nineties looking email address, and I thought it was one of my buddies messing with me. And so it was. It was if the demand was there at that high a level, you're like, man, the average person must be really struggling with this. Like how do you take a talk and make it more entertaining? how do you be consistently funny when you're public speaking? How do you get over stage fright in the first place? And how do you do it quickly? So and I was like, if I, I don't know how to do this and I read a lot. So I was like, well, maybe you know whatever I write will actually make a difference to somebody. And if one person gets excited about it, you know, that's enough to make you feel good for a pretty long time.
1: Well, along the way on creating these these paths for other people to get to that point, do you remember anything in particular that kind of really resonated with you? As far as it doesn't necessarily have to be a book or anything, but a resource or or any tip of advice that somebody might have given you along the way that kind of pushed you into that direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I read a lot, and there's so much good stuff I've come across. James Altucher's, uh yeah, website cool. on uh, book publishing three point that's the single best one I. I read on actually how to put a book out there and get it out there and get traction. Um, But, I mean, Tim Ferriss's stuff I found hugely influential. I mean, I literally took that and created a job out of thin air for myself that didn't exist so I could travel around the world, not report to anybody, and never have to go to any meetings. Nobody knew where I was for at least, I'd say, six months, one year. (laughs) Within a corporate job. So it was like, if I'm going to get stuck in a corporate job, I'm going to take Tim Ferriss's advice on the four-hour work week. And see, can I actually outsource stuff to people, and and what can I get away with within a traditional corporate environment? You know, so I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of books that I've drawn a lot of influence from, and I think you'll see them on my writing as well. AJ Jacobs I like a lot, where he would go intensively into into one particular topic for a year and break it down and and look at it and turn it into a very funny piece of engaging content at the end.
1: What what was it like traveling, you know, around to these? you mentioned you've been to 50 countries. How, how did you go about doing that? Especially when working, you you kind of disappeared. What I'm guessing, you know, you, everybody, a lot of people have read the four hour work week, obviously, and and would love to live something like that. What, what principles did you put in place to be able to do that? How, how did you do it? Spill the secrets, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. i well, no real secret. To be honest, I was a travel not long before that book came out. So I think I'd probably been to 30 or 40 countries before I read the the four-hour work week, but I targeted jobs uh, specifically within my realm, overseas jobs, expatriate jobs, so to arrange them before I went to country. So I did that successfully in a number of ones. But then as I was traveling along the way, I kept meeting people who had passive income or were doing something online or writing something and, and seemed to be just sitting on a beach occasionally with a laptop in the afternoon, putting in a couple of hours and getting by just nicely. And to be honest, I was really influenced by those guys, but I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, and I learned along the way there's nothing super passive in passive income that you really you're going to be putting in months if not years into the information and knowledge that goes behind that passive stream if you are lucky enough to create it and um, so I, I'd say even in the last year's work I put into the realm of public speaking and stand-up comedy with what I've created and the course and the book it's it is a passive income stream but it's not enough that you're going to be retiring anytime soon and going all right thats it I'm in a hammock and not doing anything for the next few years. Um, so yeah, it was def- I definitely learned and was influenced from a lot of people, a lot of writers, and a lot of languages along the way, and and the secret was just organizing jobs in advance or working for a company that's very likely to send you overseas within different roles or designing the role and targeting a company that you think would facilitate a kind of role like you're looking to take on. And So it wasn't by chance. The role I held for five years was with the world's largest private education company. They own more businesses internationally than anybody I could come up with. Uh, and they had a need for somebody to tie a lot of the operational stuff together in project management who is comfortable in different countries on the ground. So, uh, for me to pitch it, it was one that was in line with my own skill set and one that was in line with the needs that they had at the time.
1: So, what were being all over the world like that? What were some of the like just real blunt in your face things that you learned uh, in these different <laughs> cultures and societies? Because I'm sure you ran into a whole bunch of different style, uh, you
0: know, cultures and things like that. I did. I, I learned a lot fast. As you have it no was choice. it gratifying? It, it was just cool. It was. I think it makes you very culturally aware. I think languages, you get to study a number of languages. And I've been lucky enough to put a lot of time into, into six or seven languages now and, and trying to get my head around them. And you just it puts you in a nice platform to be able to relate to people in today's international business environment. Because for the most part... You're going to know something about them or their culture or their background when you meet someone. So it was cool. It was gratifying. It was humbling. It scared the shit out of me sometimes. Like being in, thrown into, I was in China for nearly a year. And when I went there, I didn't speak a single word of Mandarin. And I was leading meetings with all sorts of translators <laughs> uh, on a project where we'd bought a building and it was on fire. And we couldn't figure out who set it on fire and what was actually going on. And it was like being in a murder mystery show for a couple of months in a language I didn't speak. Um so it was cool. It was just constant learning and it, and you know it kept my mind busy all the time because you were constantly trying to figure out stuff and figure out how to do things more efficiently and at the same time you know do it in line with local cultural beliefs and behaviors. <laughs> you lived you've lived a wild one my friend. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit nutty. Um so, but it was nice cuz it gave me some stories to draw upon when I was writing a book. So you know I didn't want it to be a traditional how-to book. I wouldn't read a how-to book on public speaking it would bore the pants off me. And so I was thinking, I don't want to subject anybody else to the same thing. So hopefully with this one, it's a little bit more lighthearted, but the same takeaways are in there. And I think you'll find the stamp of my experiences around the world are probably on that book a bit as well.
1: Yeah, I think you got to loosen people up. And even with just initiating conversations, just the way that I start my show usually it's a little bit unorthodox. You know, I'm a little bit of a myth, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it brings out the real side of people. You know, nobody feels stiff. Nobody feels like they're stuck in, you know, another one of those boring. I'm going to interview you with the exact same questions everybody else is asking. Um, yep. And
0: uh, yeah, great. It's extremely it, that, important, man. It, it made me laugh before you came on the, the line whatsoever. And, and that's key. Like the quickest way to make a connection with someone or to break down barriers is by true laughter. Always, always has been.
1: Well, I used to ask guests what, when, when the last time they were doing something creative and they farted, but then people would get a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't do that. It, 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 I, I tested it out on one of my buddies who ran a skateboarding company, and he, he thought it was humorous. And then I uh, mentioned it to Lindsay that I was going to keep doing it, and she was like, Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that.
0: I think that's pretty sound
1: advice. <laughs> but there's no rules, man. There's no rules.
0: Yep, that's the beauty.
1: Break the rules, but first break the rulers for sure.
0: Yeah, I've been doing my best to break a few, as you can probably tell, and have some fun along the way. Oh, absolutely. Remember? But it's great. great. So it, it ties together nicely a community that we believe in a lot, which is the creative side and the aspiring side of all these actors and improv guys and, and comedians. To have a lot of talent that, that transpires into the copywriting realm that business don't have. And that's also international as well. You know, you don't have to be in any fixed location and it facilitates writers if they want to go off and work, you know, remotely in at location independent. So I guess there's a lot of things that were core to me and my own beliefs and life that have been imprinted on the business I'm trying to put in place as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's been fun because I, I don't want to be location-dependent. I, I, although I, I live in San Francisco and I love it here at the moment, I always like bouncing between places when I can.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I absolutely inspire to be location-independent 100% and I will get there because I'm a firm believer that we become what we think about. And you know you can kind of make yourself into whoever you want to be, but f- for you, do you think that when you first got started, as to where you are now, do you think it was harder to get started, or do you think it's harder to keep going?
0: No, I think I think it's either or depending on your own needs. I think once you get started, there's no stopping you. You'll keep meet, meeting people. They'll they'll open your eyes to what getting whatever you want and to making that possible. I mean, I didn't. I don't know if you've heard, or your listeners may well be aware of the World Domination Summit. Uh, which is a conference every year in Portland. And I went last year and there's like 3,500 people who were doing exactly the same kind of stuff I was up to. Like they were traveling around, they were working, they were all multilingual, they were all either aspiring to write books or writing books or starting a blog or maybe writing poetry or getting into action or making business online or starting their own entrepreneurial venture. And it was kind of cool. Like Once you, your eyes are open to that stuff, I, I think there's no going back.
1: Yeah, you get a little taste and and you realize the power of it. And then, yeah, there's definitely no going back. And and, that's even later. That's like in, you know, isn't that like near July?
0: Yeah, it's uh, the first week of July and it's run by Chris Gillenbew, who'd been and traveled to every country in the world. So it has his stamp all over it. And the kind of people that go are obviously very inspired by what he's done. So you end up with a very business and travel savvy crowd that's, for the most part, focused on being location independent and making money outside traditional corporate structures. So I found it pretty fun and it's inspiring to know that there's big groups out there like that and that you can tap into if if you're stuck for ideas. So certainly there's a wealth of information out there to help you make any lifestyle a reality that you want.
1: Do you have anything that burns you out?
0: Uh, Not really. Um, The the only thing that, no, I don't, uh, I, I love what I'm doing at the moment burned me out more to be honest was being stuck in a corporate job and just falling asleep on my desk or falling asleep on the commute home <laughs> and feeling tired all the time. Like I'm not tired. Like I slept ten hours last night. How could I possibly be tired? I'm just bored senseless. Yeah. Um and and to be honest, that's what burned me out more than anything. When I think is when you find something you're passionate about, then there's no more getting burnt out. Like you just love doing it. The the line that separates work and passion, you know, it blurs into one and you just get excited about whatever you're working on. You get lost in it.
1: Yeah, baby, that's exactly what I was going for there. Mm, that's exactly cool. the answer I was pulling for. And I I want people to hear that because it, it, if you feel like you're stuck and that you you know, you have these periods of time where you just can't be creative and you, and you feel like you're trapped, just take a look at what you're doing and where you want to be. I mean, be honest with yourself. Is it something that truly makes you passionate? Does it make does your heart beat for for what you love or does it is it kind of locked in a cage and and man, once you get on the other side of it there's no stopping you there's no no more roadblocks you're always going to keep pushing forward and you're going to see the beauty in failing because you're going to learn from it, obviously and you're going to meet one more person who's going to connect you to one more person to one more opportunity and then you're going to fist pump with your pants down and everybody's going to have a big party
0: yeah, that's exactly it
1: Well, I don't, I don't know if everybody thinks the party is fist pumping with their pants down, but it gets a little wild over here in Kentucky, man.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. It's not the most normal place in the world. <laughs>
1: well, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast. I think that everything that you're doing is, is super awesome. Is there, is there anywhere that our, our listeners can find you or get in contact with you in, in your books? Uh, where's your online platform at and you know, your website and all that good stuff?
0: Yeah, so the website is number seven comedy And the book is called Do You Talk Funny? Uh, and they can find me in either of those. The book is available on Amazon. And I have a number of other helpful articles that are on the blog as well on seven comedy habits. And they'll find links to everything there with Funny Biz Conference as well. Um, but yeah, not hard to find.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. And, and you've got funnybiz.co as well, right? Yeah, we have. There.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Awesome, man. Well, before, before you go, is there any other uh, closing advice that you think you should shed some light on for people and, and give them some insight on how <laughs> they're just going to get out there and dominate the world?
0: Dominate. I'm sure they will do that with or without my words, which generally are not the wisest. Not even my mother would tell people to rely on my wisdom. But, yeah, just go have fun. Travel if that's your passion. And, you know, that will come true in your work, and you can make the two of them the same thing.
1: And if you could spend a little bit of time creating something with anybody – from the past or present, David, who do you think it would be and what would you create?
0: Oh man, that's a tough one. I, uh, immediately my mind went back to a drunken Godzilla, Godzilla but that has no <laughs> reference whatsoever. Uh, I don't know. My favorite creative person, honestly, you have me stumped. I don't know. I love all the stuff that Tim Ferriss has put together, and I don't know if you can look at that on that creative realm, but I think he's just oh, forced people. Man. Yeah, he's forced so many people to think differently about what they're doing and giving them the tools to achieve it that, yeah, I'd love to pick his brain on a lot of stuff and try and come up with something funky. Yeah,
1: he's one um, of the most interesting people in the world for sure. I love listening to his podcast and, and reading his books and everything. I mean, even any, anything that he's done, his blog posts even are just brilliant. And, yep. and I don't know. Have you listened to his podcast? He gets people I have, a yeah, big just, fan. Oh, they engage in some of the best conversations, just real blunt, straightforward value. So I suggest everybody checks that stuff out. Does a little fist pump and a little boogie woogie and get
0: funky with it. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really appreciate you coming on. And everybody out there, remember to break the rules. But first, break the rulers. uh, Surrender to your passion. Practice, practice, practice. Get a mentor. Find those people that are doing everything that you want to be doing and study them. Learn from them. Reach out to them. Ask them questions. You never know who's going to respond and and give you that little piece of advice you need to hop over the fence. Everything that you have ever dreamed of is sleeping right on the other side of your comfort zone. So get your fist in the air, wake it up, and and do something a little bit crazy. Do something, play the edge. And David, again, dude, thank you so much for being the arch newer now. Always remember to keep it funky, man
0: thank you that's definitely as funky as it gets
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of the arch of her newer now for all the show notes it's artsynow.com if you want to be a guest on the show email me at create at artsynow.com or on twitter at hb underscore armstrong the music well that's shaky feeling Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta. Keep it funky.